0: Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. This episode is presented by Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or your clients. Thank you also to our co presenting sponsor, the Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. The news is presented by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you've been injured in an accident. Call them at 615 846 6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at spinjurylaw.com. College athletes may be getting paid sooner than we thought. The NCA announced on Wednesday it is moving closer to letting college athletes be paid while they're in school. Quote, the member schools have embraced very real change that's necessary to modernize our name, image, and likeness rules. NCA President Mark Emmert said on Wednesday, according to the New York Post. Our guest line presented to you by Bowlin Branch, which was started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen had no idea how comfortable and Branch sheets could be till I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bolenbrands.com. That's spelled B O L L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets c bass joins us from wnws in jackson tennessee where he has had his own show for i think over 20 years now my friend thanks for being with us how are you hey brother
1: yeah doing great yeah 20 and change yeah you yeah, know 20, 20 20 and a half like i said when you was a little kid i'm 20 and a half uh it's about 20 and a half years it's uh been a wild ride man it's been a wild ride for sure never wilder than right now obviously but uh I've had a good st- I, what, did, what did Jimmy Buffett say and uh, he went to Paris some of it's magic some of it's tragic but I've had a good life all the way
0: well it was a good life for three days last week the NFL draft is sort of old news oh yeah by this point but we enjoyed it in the Lee household you and I have not had a chance to talk about it since it's happened so let's go there
1: i'm ready to go you want to start with i guess the i guess the logical start would be the one who actually got drafted and in Keyshawn vaughn and i mean chris i I just I, i just don't know how he could have been drafted into a better situation you know, it's, it's, it's great. I'm so excited for Keyshawn. And he's, I mean, that dude's all about business, man. And and that's and that going to fit in perfectly right there. I mean, it, it, he should be running to an offense where, I mean, look, what are you going to stack the box. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's going to have lanes. He's going to have opportunity. And I like some of the young pieces on the offensive line. I'm a, a big alley Marpet fan, you know, and they continue to improve that. Uh, Keyshawn. I'll say this. I I, I thought it would be somewhere in the fourth round. Uh, But let me tell you something. Uh, That's that's still values at 76. You know how I feel about key. I think he's the total package. Uh, I I think the things that he didn't show was was not because of an an inability, uh, but moreover, the way the offense was structured. Uh, This guy he's physically ready right now. Uh, I I fully anticipate Keyshawn Vaughn coming in and having a very meaningful impact on that football team, and, and possibly even as the starting running back because there's are just nobody. I mean, what are you scared of? What Ronald Jones, Chris? I mean, that's Keyshawn's in a great position right now. I I expect him to take full advantage of that. I am
0: looking at franchises where he might have had a better opportunity for early playing time thinking maybe and i'm literally looking at all the nfl running back depth charts as we do this i cannot think off the top of my head many better situations
1: you know i mean you're gonna have a hard time finding them uh you you just you just are i mean especially given look it's like i said i mean the there's going to be such a large concentration uh placed on that on that passing game uh by defensive schemes and remember something else i mean that's got to be the biggest record of pass catchers i've ever seen you know if they block worth their salt i mean there should be lanes to run the downfield as well uh i mean think about two tight end formations with Gronkowski and O J Howard who the team picked up that option today so uh i mean he's not going anywhere hey, look put it this way if Cameron breaks your third tight end you're doing okay and you throw in Mike Evans, who had over 1,100 yards last year before going down, and then Chris Godwin, who had 1,300 yards. Uh, yeah, the key. I mean, we can go over the teams, but I, I mean, I can't think of many better situations in the entire NFL.
0: Dolphins probably not because they've got Howard and Breda. That's a you know two guys who can play. Oh boy. I mean, it's, you know, the Patriots, well, they got Sony Michelle. I don't know what they're going to do with him. They underused him yeah. a year ago. I mean, the list of teams that Still you could James put on that White list. Teams. Yeah. who catches a lot of balls. Uh, the, yeah. I'm, I'm not seeing one that jumps out. That is obviously a better situation than the one that he just landed in.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I just, there's, there's not one. When you when you factor in depth, the the running back room, and the fact that there's going to be such a heavy emphasis by defenses on stopping the the, the pass uh, with, with Tampa Bay, you know, and because they could definitely get to a lot of track mates. Now they're improving, and I like uh, their I love their pickup, uh, their second round pick of Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota. Uh, but you know their their secondary is nothing special. Now you what you could see is some track meets, and I think they positioned themselves nicely to to get involved in those.
0: Pinkney and Lipscomb sign as free agents. Yeah. Thoughts on those?
1: Well, first for for Pinkney. Well, first I'm just say this. It really sucks because those are both clearly draftable prospects, you know, and and should have been drafted. Um, It didn't end up working out that way. They really didn't get to show themselves, uh, showcase themselves, uh, or at least didn't uh, the the way that uh, Keyshawn was certainly able to last year. But let's go to the situation there. What about in Atlanta? That's a good place for, for, for Jared Pingney to go. I mean, look, Atlanta wants to throw the football. We know that for sure. And remember, Austin Hooper's in Cleveland, Ohio now.
0: Yeah, they got Hayden Hurst, who, of course, was a late first-rounder three years ago, and he's got some talent.
1: He he does, but think about this for a second, okay? Why is he not there anymore? Because he was extremely expendable, uh, because Mark Andrews clearly outperformed him in every way. Yeah, I don't know that that's a
0: bad reflection on Hayden Hurst, though. I mean, he wasn't what they thought they were getting. I always liked him in college.
1: Yeah, oh I did too. I mean, he's a heck of a player at South Carolina. I ain't no
2: doubt about that. Here but here's what I'll say for an undrafted free agent, if I'm looking at a guy. If it's
1: Hayden Hurst, I'm just not overly not overly concerned. He hasn't really done much in the NFL so far. You know, and look, it's Baltim think about it, it's Baltimore, Chris. they they lived the tight end position. That's such an integral part of their – think about this. there's such an integral part of their offense, and they were willing to let him get out of town.
0: Atlanta never used the tight end much until Hooper last year that I recall, though. So if there's usually not room for one mouth to get fed a lot, I don't know how much room there is for two, three, and four.
1: Well, think about it like this, though. I mean, if, 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 if Jared goes in there and recaptures the magic of two years ago, you know, I, I, I think there's certainly a possibility there. I mean, I don't expect him to start there from day one, obviously, but but I mean, it's it's an optimal situation. I mean, look now, if, you, if there were there's other teams that if it, that if he signed with them from a tight end standpoint, well, you just know that he, he's not going to see the field uh, for the most part outside outside of injury. I can't say that in Atlanta because I'll say this at least with with Hooper, which is what I mean. Look, there's no sense of going too much further back than Hooper. Uh, but Hooper got enough play and enough opportunity that landed him a big fat contract in Cleveland. That he was one of the most sought after uh, tight ends in, in 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 all of free agency. Uh, so if he can step up, man, you know I think there's playing time with Hayden Hurst but alongside him or uh, in in relief of him. It, it's not a, all I'm saying is I that's another situation where I don't think it's it. I, th- I think the situation is pretty good. If you're going to go somewhere as an undrafted free agent, I feel like Atlanta is one of those places. Is there any
0: way Keyshawn, or not Keyshawn, Kalijah Lipscomb sees the field in Kansas City, barring an injury or two? Because I don't see it.
1: I want to say yes, but I mean it's Kansas City. (laughs) It's it's Kansas City. They've got them aplenty. But I mean, I thought that it was uh, pretty interesting to see. You saw what they gave him. I mean, Kansas City clearly, clearly thinks thinks a little something about Kalaja uh, uh, to give him what was it, uh, Chris, a hundred and ten thousand or something like? I think it was. I think uh, that's 10, close. 000, yes. Uh, for a hundred thousand dollars, I mean, it's. I mean, I, 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 let me ask you this: Would you consi- Would you classify that as the equivalency of a preferred walk-on?
2: Yeah, but it's a preferred walk-on to Clemson. Mm-hmm. Wasn't uh, wasn't Hunter Renfro a walk on?
0: I knew you were going to say that. Yes, but I. You, how'd you know? You just said it. <laughs> I I know. I mean, it popped into my head the minute I said it. My office has been invaded by my children. Some.
1: What up, kiddos? Slightly distracted. You can. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that.
0: No, it's not. It's it's good
1: times here, but. I'm, I'm, you put me in a Clemson window, so I mean. That's the, a, perfect, a perfect, relevant, recent example of the possibility. Look, uh is Kalijah, a good po- football player. You know, look, last year was what it was. It just was. I don't know how to I, – I here's what I say. I think that NFL teams are smart enough and have done enough homework to see through the garbage and the crap that was last year. Okay? And I, I know you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I think that they saw the potential between in those other two in the year before and the times that they played before to see these guys can produce if they've got a quarterback. Because what happened when they had one, Chris? They produced. Let
0: me put it to you this way. He's not better than Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, or Demarcus Robinson, right? We can agree on that? Okay, right. right. So, Byron Pringle's their fifth. Kid from K State. I don't think he's better than him, so I just don't
1: see it. Well, I mean, I mean, I expect that that room will probably carry six receivers, five to six receivers. Let's say they carry six, and, and you know, who knows if it's a special teams role? I don't know, and who knows if it's a a, a practice squad? By the way, nothing wrong with that. You know, and that may be what it has to be starting out. But I think that they're, you know, I, I think they like what they see out of Kaliza Lipscomb. And again, they do a lot of homework on all these guys. They've seen, I mean because think about it, Chris, before last season, Kaleiza Lipscomb had plenty of production. Agreed. Yeah, and that's where you have a good
0: point. I didn't really think about all the way through because if he is practice squad, then Those guys get exposed to waivers through certain circumstances. If he goes and has a good preseason, in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter who he's with because if he doesn't have a path there, if he's good enough, he will have a path somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. And I, you know, I, I, again, I've seen a lot of good football out of that dude and, you know, I don't know. I look like, is he going to make that that that, that roster initially? I don't know. It'd be tough. There's there's, there's no question about that. Uh, he's not overly fast. Um, and, and, boy, that often, you know, they like to scoot.
2: They like to get him
1: down that field. There's no doubt about it. But, like I said, they thought enough to give him the 110. You know, and they certainly didn't do that with the other undrafted free agents. So,
0: Anything else on the draft in general? I know you're a big NFL draft guy, but what caught your eye? in that event?
1: Mm, first of all, I thought Roger Goodell did himself quite well for, uh, for a the commissioner that people generally don't care for and has a pretty rough reputation. I mean, he, he almost was like, uh, he guided us through it. And I thought that the draft uh, considered being uh, completely virtual with all the potential pitfalls. I thought it went off pretty well. And if you're like, look, Everybody knows I like to have fun and all this other stuff. When I'm talking about sports, I, I'm not, I'm not big on fluff and, and all the other stuff. I don't, I don't care much about seeing orangutans, you know, make the pick and all this other stuff. I like the, the draft itself. And that's about basically what it was. Cause you couldn't do all this other stuff and have all these other folks involved. It was just straight draft. If you love that stuff, it was for you. And for me, it absolutely was now, uh, for your boys you know it'll be interesting to see I I with Isaiah Wilson he's a big dude man he he's he kind of fits the the mantra of what the Titans want to be you know and I don't know if Dennis Kelly is is, is starts day 1 uh for this season uh until you know Isaiah Wilson's ready or maybe he's ready now uh but I'll, but I'll say this uh, they addressed the areas in those first two picks uh, that I expected I mean, I them. I think most Titans fans would tell you going into that draft, they needed to find a right tackle, and they needed a cornerback. And with Fulton and, 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 and with Wilson, I think those were two uh, very solid picks.
0: Yeah, I wasn't displeased with those two. Wilson, I wouldn't say he's a stretch, uh, but I don't think it was a slam dunk pick. The Fulton one I thought no. was a great pick where they got him. The question to me is whether they filled enough need with picks 3 down and I'm not sure about yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Yeah, now one interesting pick. Now I'll say this, I I I would not have made it because I, I just don't see this guy making it in the NFL as a quarterback. Um, not because he doesn't play hard, not because he doesn't have a lot of gifts, but his mechanics just killed me. And that's Cole McDonald, the quarterback out of Hawaii. Uh, he's an interesting dude, you know, I mean, and he was certainly productive, uh, but his uh, so, some of his mechanics, I was I remember watching him in the combine, and it was just... You know, I mean, when he's good, he's good, but he can be all over the place. And his delivery, you would never, of course, look, I would never teach Philip Rivers delivery to anybody and it worked, but this isn't Philip Rivers, you know, and of course, I mean, he's a late round flyer, so it's fine. But, uh, I, I just, I I can't see him sticking. Well, my six-year-old
0: son would like to disagree. He asked me to find highlights of him on YouTube and really liked him. I think that was his favorite pick of the draft.
1: Cole McDonald was his favorite pick for the Titans?
0: I think so. I think he saw those long bombs for touchdowns one after another and was pretty impressed. Are you willing to sign off on
1: that? I don't know that I'll go that far. (laughs) John Robinson, you better be aware, David Lee is on the case. In about 30 years, he may have your job. He watched, I'm not kidding,
0: almost the entire draft. He stayed up. To the Titans pick, Uh, he begged my wife for the chance to watch that, and to his credit, he went to bed right after they made that pick, and he watched the film of him for a little bit, and then then he got up off his beanbag and went straight to his room and went to sleep. (laughs) Was not in a good mood the next day, by the way. And then he watched – I bet he watched most of the rest of the draft. We turned off, I think, rounds four and five. I was out doing some shopping And I think my wife had turned the TV off at that point,
2: but he watched a good bit of it and was just enthralled with every bit of it. I don't understand how I think you
1: do, because you know how much I love that draft. And to be six years old and to digest and all that stuff and watching film with your dad on Cole McDonald's, (laughs) that's amazing. Uh, That is amazing. But, you know, the Titans, look, the Titans aren't really a franchise that had a billion holes. And I, I think the things that needed to be addressed got addressed. And, you know, I mean, look, there's still a possibility of the Davian Clowning. You never know. Uh, So I I think a a good team got better.
0: The draft itself, you talked about the production. I enjoyed the way that it went down and seeing these guys in their living rooms with their families and that sort of setting. More than I do the normal draft coverage, I'll say this, there's a lot more leather sofas in America than I knew. It seemed like every (laughs) – Every player in the draft had one in his family, but I enjoyed that glimpse into things that it's not a side that you
1: normally get to see. No, it's not. It was pretty cool. And I'll just say this because I know a lot of our listeners uh, are big Titans fans. Uh, I will just say this to you. You know that I love you. You know, I do. And the one thing that I will say, I'm still a little nervous because we'll see about Philip Rivers. And even if so, it's a one-year deal. Uh, I thought my boys killed it. I, I thought that that Chris Ballard just absolutely knocked it out of the park with this draft. Uh, one, you know, I had decided. I don't know if you and I had talked about this or not. You know, off the off the podcast, uh, but I had decided uh before thursday that the name if 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 chris ballard stayed still the name that i wanted to hear uh was the name that i heard michael pittman jr i think he's the single most underrated receiver in that class um i i saw the comparisons and jeremiah and some other comparing him to uh mike williams see i see same team different receiver i see keenan allen Chris, I see Keenan Allen. I see a, a 6'5", 225, 230-pound guy who catches absolutely everything that you throw. Who isn't a burner, but for 6'5", 225, 230, there's nothing wrong with four-five-two flat and catching and catching everything uh he's gonna win the fifty fifty balls and if you get to know the dude off the off the field and you see some of the stuff he's got going on if you know this, Chris, but he and his girlfriend have like a YouTube channel with like a hundred thousand subscribers, they've had it you know for a while, and they've been doing that show for a long time, but really enigmatic dude and then. Jonathan Taylor, uh, that was just such a – I'm generally not a big second-round running back guy, especially if you got Marlon Mack, uh, but he's got one more year left, and I'm thinking about Jonathan Taylor behind that Indy offensive line. I'm telling you, just like I told you last week, Chris, for the next five years, buckle up, Indy, buckle up, Nashville, because it's going to be some throw downs. Those two teams are going to be battling for this division for the next five years for the foreseeable future in my mind.
0: Yeah, I was not thrilled to see you guys get Jonathan Taylor as a Titans fan. Uh, and Pittman,
1: if oh. he if he turns
0: into what you think, then he and T. Y. Hilton together, that's going to be a little scary.
1: Well, he's the he's the he's the the missing. Uh, he is what they they were hoping that they had with Dante Moncrief. But these are two very different players, very very different players, and that's the thing that they were missing. And they got it. What they need is for not only to hit on him, they need Paris Campbell to be healthy and come through. If if Paris Campbell can come through in his four three flat feet, uh, that's then you start to look at some stuff, you know, because they, they clearly want to concentrate on the running game. But if you add pieces like Pittman and 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 T Y Hilton and Paris Campbell, and they can all they can all hit, that would be a lot to stop. And get and one more thing, I'll say this: getting Jacob Eason. Do I love Jacob Eason? No. I love the arm of the upside. But Jacob Eason Eason in the fourth round, well, that's too much
2: value. They didn't. By the way, shifting
0: the conversation back to Vandy, you texted me Sunday. And we know that mock drafts at this point are – basically useless, and anybody can put one up. But you found something online about next year's first round that stunned both of us, and I'll just let you share it.
1: So I already started looking at mocks for 2021, because why not? So I've looked about three different ones. And on the third one I looked at, and I'll have to go back and see if I can find which one it was. I'm scrolling down to the bottom, and the 31st pick in the draft was a Vanderbilt football player who could it possibly be on the Vanderbilt football team? Now, if I hadn't told you, Chris, now it's not really fair because you know the answer, but let's just pretend you live in a world where I didn't tell you who it was, and I said there's a Vanderbilt football player who was mocked 31st overall to the Green Bay Packers, you would have said who?
2: Well, that begs another question because,
0: and I'm pulling up a depth chart because I may be forgetting someone. I can't name a player on that team that I'm sure is even going to get drafted
1: at any point. Can you? Um, I, somebody's going to draft Dio, I think, on, on his, his measure, measurables. Dio would have been my answer. I wouldn't have said first round pick, but he would have pretty well definitely been my answer. Well, do you want to spill the beans? And again, uh, sometimes, you know, today or during the week, I'll I'll go back so I can reference it better for you next time. Uh, Dimitri Moore. Dimitri Moore was mocked 31st overall to the Green Bay Packers.
0: You and I talked about this, like, okay, what is it that they see? I mean, his production hasn't been much. And maybe you can say, well... Tarver and Mason just didn't draw up a good scheme where the kids understood what they were doing, and then you start to look at the talent. I mean, he's a big kid. I've stood next to him; he's fairly tall. I mean, he's got linebacker size. He was a very highly regarded player at a high level of Texas high school football. So I don't know if somebody was just spitballing or if somebody knew something, but. He was a player – I remember you and I both thought that when I – mean, in fact, I remember talking to you the day that they got his commitment. We both thought that they'd gotten a good player. And if you add the physical attributes, and I don't know how well he runs, I have no idea what his 40 time would be. I'm just trying to work backwards and think, like, how is this feasible wow. that Demetri Moore is winding up in the first round of mock drafts? Chris, I'd
1: look it up, and here's another one. DraftUtopia.com, the 2021 draft. This has Dmitri Moore, 27th overall, to the San Francisco 49ers, and I'll read you what they had to say. Dmitri Moore has more athletic. Wait a minute. Okay. This says Dmitri Moore has more athleticism than Zach Cunningham. He also broke Vanderbilt's record for tackles by a freshman. Moore could be a first-rounder in 2021 if he continues to impress on tape.
2: Continues? I'm just reading. I know.
1: And I'm just saying. You know, great. I mean, I'll take that all day long, and and I'm expecting a good season, especially with Ted Roof uh, there instead of Jason Tarver. But that now makes two different drafts that I have seen him going in the first round. If there's two drafts at this point that have
0: him as a first rounder, obviously somebody out there thinks he's a prospect. So I think that floored both of us.
1: Yeah, I mean again this is not about Dimitri uh, from a negative connotation by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think he's a good football player. I, I do. I didn't think that he was viewed quite to that level because not only not only did I expect that but uh, again I I told you I'm not super keen on drafting linebackers in the first round unless they're just otherworldly. I'm going to I'm going to try to find them somewhere else. Uh but yeah, yeah, that's the second one that I have seen him off off the board in the first round. And you know what I hope I hope that's right.
0: Was the second mock draft you saw
1: draftsite.com? Uh, draftsite.com was the first one I saw. Uh the one that I just read to you was draftutopia.com.
0: Okay. Draftsite.com had him 27th to the Dolphins.
1: Okay, well, then that's three because this, the one that I just read to you, has him 27th overall to the Vikings. And by the way, wait a minute. Oh, wait, no, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, that's right. The Dolphins also have two second round, two first round picks next year. I was going to say, wait a minute. Somebody's predicting that the Dolphins will be picking 27th, uh, means they think an awful lot of them. It's <laughs> listed at
0: six-three-two thirty. By the way, another interesting thing is that when you Google Dimitri Moore, You know how it populates search terms for you? One of those is Dimitri Moore NFL draft. So, how many tackles do you think Dimitri had last? Well, I just looked it up and I didn't. So he had 99, I believe. Yeah, Yeah, he had had
1: 99. Uh, That's absolutely right. This one I'm looking at now tankathon.com has him mocked 48th overall. So, look, there's a consensus that this is a, a first, second round player.
0: Ourlads.com, he- which is a scouting service, has got a bio of him, too. So, so what
1: did you make about the comment about, about uh, uh, more athletic than, than, than Zach Cunningham? I
2: mean, Zach Cunningham
1: could cover sideline so to sign like, like nobody I've seen at Vanderbilt.
0: I will admit, <laughs> a lot of last year, I was just waiting for that season to be over, so I wasn't as locked in <laughs> as I as have been some years. But I think if he was
2: that, I would have noticed it by now. Yeah, Zach,
1: look, I mean, there's a lot of people who believe. And, and one thing that we can say over the years is that Vanderbilt has put some good linebackers out there. We can name them. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's a good bit of people, including yours truly. I think he's the best linebacker we've ever had. So yeah. if he's more athletic than Zach Cunningham. And again, they, they didn't say he's a better football player. and said he's more athletic. I'll beg to differ on that too. I mean, Zach just, I mean, Zach, I mean, th- think about the block field goal against Auburn. That's you know? exactly I mean, what I was
0: thinking. I haven't seen Dimitri Moore do anything like that.
1: I mean, and and Zach's backed his play up in the NFL too. So, I mean, look, Hey, again, this is not a shot of D, uh, man. I hope he goes out there, balls out and kills it. I'm just saying, I mean, those are, those are pretty, that's a a lofty, less lofty praise. And he's certainly been a good football player, but he hasn't been quite that good yet. But, um, what I'm hoping is, is that with, uh, you know, with the, with the added talent, because this this, this defense look, I'm going to say it can't be any worse, but that and that may be true, but I think it's going to be better. I do from a personnel standpoint and from a coaching standpoint. Uh, uh, so I expect that to happen. I think Demetri will have another good year. You know, but uh, w- is he a, a first rounder? I don't know.
0: Two things. Okay, if you get noticed at Vanderbilt, you're doing something. If you get noticed at Vanderbilt on a dreadful team you must really be doing something. Again, this surprised yeah. both of us. And number two, if last year taught us anything, it's that horrible coaching can make good players and great players irrelevant. So there's that.
2: I mean, I'll write that, but let I me mean,
1: ask you this, though. So. And maybe it's just by nature of the position and pure reps. Uh, having a a bad quarterback affects a running back, too. It did not affect on Vaughn.
0: Maybe that supports your argument because, I mean, Keyshawn was going to get the ball handed to him. When you're a receiver, that's dependent on two things. It's dependent on the quarterback to get you the ball, and it's dependent on the offensive line to give the quarterback time to get rid of the ball. Now, defense, you know, you've got your responsibilities, so I guess you're a little bit more free to make plays. A, A good defender on a bad team, especially at linebacker, is going to get noticed. So there is that. I mean Dimitri Moore last year didn't grade very well on pro football focus. Now, now look, they they also keep him out there all the time. So he could probably benefit from a breather every now and then, but I thought something would have popped a little bit more than it has, but maybe maybe they were just that poorly coached at linebacker last year. I think that's
1: that's a possibility. I mean, heck, we yeah, know that one hope that I really have, Chris, is that this new def- the, new, the defensive coaching staff uh, and the new pieces there are able to extract the most out of – because I, here's what I'll say. On paper, and that's all it is because a lot of these guys have either haven't played yet or have barely done much, but on paper, when you look at it, man, if we can get some of those defensive backs to hit from a couple of years ago you know, the orgies, the you know, guys like that. We'll we'll go along with Jalen Mahoney and then Donovan Kaufman from this year. And you look at Dimitri and and then you think about some of the defensive linemen that we've got in there with Dylan Davis and Dio and, you know, and Rutger. And of course, and by the way, we never mentioned these guys, but, but, you know, I mean, what about Cam and Drew? You know, one more time. This defense was terrible last year, but from a personnel standpoint, Potential-wise, maybe a guy like Ted Roof can get the most out of them. I think there's a possibility there. So I don't know. I'm not, this, this is not going to be one of the woody defenses by any stretch of the imagination. But I think you might see a much better defense than you saw last year. And not just because it's hard to get any worse, but because he has a
0: chance to seriously improve. Yes, I think that they bring almost everybody back. That's one thing. That's a big thing in improvement is when you get continuity two years in a row. And I don't think they lost a starter, did they? On defense? No. So there's that. The other thing, I don't know that Ted Roof is necessarily going to come in and be a transformative defensive coordinator. And he might be. He might work wonders, and they might be significantly better on that side of the ball than we thought. I'm not going to rule that out. But I think he's got a really high floor as a defensive coordinator and, and a higher floor for a hire than I thought they could possibly make. I
1: think so. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's, and that's okay because, look, hey, w- the Derek Browns of the world are coming to Vanderbilt. And they have a way of making some coaches look pretty dead-gun good. So we got to just have somebody who could come in and extract the most of, now let me say this prospect wise, they're bringing in better players to this defense. You can't deny that. You know, that's true. It's true. That's not speculative. That's true. Uh, And especially at key positions, because think about this. And it's not even just one player, but guys like Davion Davis. Guys like Tyrion Sergic, who is, is, I mean, he's just a commitment right now, but those type of players did not commit to this school for the longest time. Now they're starting to get some some better stuff. So while the Derrick Browns of the world don't grow on trees and generally don't come around to Vanderbilt, I, I think that a guy like Ted Roof, whatever his his floor is, uh, pun sort of intended, um it's still got to be, or it better be,
2: marketably higher than Jason Tarkers was.
0: The recruiting thing is just hard to explain. I don't know if that's a coach thinking he could get fired if he doesn't work harder or getting rid of some bad assistants, maybe. But it is odd. I mean, last year was so bad. And they just didn't appear to have anything to sell coming off that campaign. And I'm not saying they're having a world-beating recruiting year. I'm sure they're still going to end up in the bottom two or three of the SEC. But there's degrees there. Uh, you know, there's a difference between getting a mid-level three-star player or a two-star nobody wanted. That's a pretty significant difference. It's it's really been weird.
1: Oh, I agree. I just, you know, you would think the way the last couple of years have unfolded that they, they wouldn't be able to convince anybody, but they are. I mean, they you know, they're 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 casting a pretty wide net and and they're and they're they're having some success. You know, and, and I'll tell you something else, Chris. I I'm I'm real interested to see from a coronavirus standpoint how recruiting is affected for a school like Vanderbilt going forward, because I'm wondering a couple of things. I'm wondering A are prospects going to, on the other side of this, start staying closer to home a little bit more, you know, than maybe they used to? And then B, if the last couple indication, it's not going to slow anything down because I don't know what Jeremy. All of a sudden, this team who, I mean, just has done nothing up until last year is has a, currently has a top five class and is going down to places like Alabama and getting the number one player out of the state. I don't really know how that works, but it is. Uh, But my my point behind it all was I'm wondering if these teams who have these 80, 90, 100,000-seat cathedrals uh, to play in, that that's going to be the huge advantage that it's been in the past because I wonder if they're going to be able to fill them up anymore, or at least initially for a little while as people, you know, or at least maybe hesitant to go back. You know, sit with 100,000 of their closest friends, you know, on a Saturday. Will that advantage and complete and utter disadvantage that we have had, uh, will those still be in play?
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point. I would go one step further. This is a bleak thought, but what if they canceled the whole college football season, which I don't think is going to happen? Then nobody visits anywhere. (laughs) That really levels the playing field for Vanderbilt because you, you don't want kids visiting on game day. At Vandy,
1: if you can help no, it, you, you do not. That I, I hate saying that because of nothing that makes me matter, but it's it's completely true. But you know what is cool? Uh, we have proven that it is possible to do something about it. We saw that. You remember how fun games were back in two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve to go to. Remember
2: that?
0: Yeah, it seems like it was. 20 years ago, but...
1: Yeah, and I don't like living in the past, but what it does say is it is possible to shrink visiting fan bases down and it is possible to send them out uh, with their tail between their legs in a pretty freaking exciting atmosphere when the dedication is put towards uh, to put forth. I would rather live in a, wor- in a world where at least that possibility exists so that if the right people are in place, football becomes a focus again, uh, then hey, we could get back to that. And believe me, I've I've never had more fun in my life associated with the university uh, than that time. So it is possible. There are places that exist right now that it's completely impossible. They're at a level and they can never go any farther than they're at. So it begs a question that I would ask you, Chris, right now. If you could, if you had the power, I want everybody to really think about this. And I'm going to use a school in this state. The University of Memphis's football program has had a five, six year run like they have never had. They've putting people in the league, they're winning ten games a year, you know, the attendance has certainly gone up. And there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement. Having said that, no matter what they do, no matter who they sign, no matter who their head coach is, they don't have a seat at the table. Not really. They can get into a BCS Bowl, but they're not playing for a national championship. Now, we're not going to, but we could. We have that ability to. They don't. No matter what they do, they're not playing for one. Would you rather be in their situation or ours? Their schedules are boring for the most part. They'll bring in old Miss and now and every every now and then. But their Saturday nights are made up of Houston and Tulsa and Tulane and Navy and Connecticut and stuff like that. There's no uh, there's no run on Florida's LSU's, Tennessee's, Alabama, South Carolina, Georgia's. They don't have those. What would you rather have if you could if you could make that decision right now? What would you rather have?
0: Well, I'm going to sort of sidestep the question, and if you want to tell me, hey, that's not a fair answer and answer it again, my answer would be, from a football-only standpoint, right? Yeah. I'd rather be Memphis because you don't have to deal with Kirkland Hall, and I'd do anything not have to deal with Kirkland Hall.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, you remember that thing you said? I'm in- I'm invoking it. And I get that. I'm talking about the actual situation.
0: Okay, but here's the problem. They've been the constant in this for 60 years. I don't know how you separate one from the other. Since you asked the question, you make the rules, right? Are you going gonna to wave a magic wand and get sensible people in there? I mean, is that part of the <laughs> answer? I mean, because yeah, if it is, it
1: is, I agree with you. Okay, let's just say I did that then. I just waved my wand done sensible people now what's your answer
0: well yes for all the reasons that you said plus nashville and memphis i don't think that's memphis has got some things in its own right i don't mean to insult memphis but come on which of the two cities are you going to pick
1: well i mean you got to remember dude i'm from memphis i can't come on here and be running down my town man well no but Uh, but you live in nashville you know that Yeah, I mean, I love Nashville. You know that. I've always loved Nashville, and I would definitely love to live there. But, uh, yes, there's many advantages that that Nashville certainly has uh, over its in-state counterpart. But just from a football standpoint, I, I personally, you know, I like winning. I hate losing. There's very little doubt about that. But how good is a team like Memphis? I think about Memphis two years ago. I think it was two years ago, Chris, if I remember correctly, they went up to Columbia, Missouri, and got their throats kicked in. You know, what what happens when you step up? Now, they played Penn State pretty freaking hard. I'll give them – Memphis is a good football team. They got a good football program. There's no doubt about that. But if you drop them, just drop them in the east. I mean, they can't hold up to that. They they, they scrimmaged about a, a half a mile from my house every year. For the start of the season. There's some really good football players on that team. They're someone played in the league. Now, uh, Coxy is as good a receiver, uh, as we would have had in the past five, six years. I really like him a lot, but. Truthfully, are they a better team than Vanderbilt? Uh, last year? Yes. Last year. Absolutely. Besides that. No, absolutely. Two Vanderbilt two years ago, I promise you would have beaten Memphis. I guarantee it they would have beaten memphis no you know no oh yeah oh yes sir they would too they could have have.
0: okay two years ago okay maybe two years i thought you said last year sorry i said
1: last year no but two years ago yes okay
0: the question you're really asking is would you rather be in the american or in the sec is that not what you're basically asking
2: Yes and no. Uh, Like if you start a
0: football, because I mean, that's, that's easy. I mean, because you're, you're taking all these things that come with it out of it.
1: I don't like one thing that I have always felt pretty passionate about. I think, look, if you're in the show, you're in the show. And if you're a division one football team, you should have the opportunity in some fashion or uh, to, to, to play for it all. I mean, think about this, Chris Quinnipiac, should they get on a roll? could win the men's national championship in Division I basketball.
0: Yeah, yeah but if, like if Quinnipiac joined we the SEC, the if Quinnipiac joined the SEC, I don't even know if they have a football program, they'd have a better chance to win a national title in, in 10 years than Vanderbilt would, even with the head start.
2: No. Yes, on. that's <laughs>
0: it's, it's because of administration. God. Stop. They've had six winning seasons (laughs) out of 60
1: years, man. I don't know what else to say. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh. Well, I guess I would ask you this, because I believe Quinnipiac does play football, right? What would the score have been last year between Missouri and
2: Quinnipiac? Uh, About 150
1: to nothing. 59 to three. Right, at best. And don't say Quinnipiac. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. It's just, uh, that's, that's something that I've always felt pretty passionate about. If you're in Division One and you're playing a Division One schedule, you should have the opportunity. You're not going to, but you
2: should have
1: have the opportunity to go. And then in a place
2: like AC the team do everything
1: that you could possibly ask them to do, including knock off an Auburn team in a
2: baseball and it's still
1: got
0: but here's the problem. Kirkland Hall has a higher winning percentage than Vandy and Memphis put together <laughs> and doubled. Oh, do they got a picture of you on their wall? I think they uh, might after Hall. this year. You know what's funny Same. is are you on LinkedIn? No. I don't pay for the premium membership to see who's looking me up, but I had several searches where it would tell me uh, you've been searched by Vanderbilt administrators. I thought that was an interesting part of my winter.
2: They're fans. I think they're big fans. <laughs> I, I, that's what it is. Hell, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Chris. I've googled you before.
0: I don't think anything
1: interesting would pop up, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell you what popped up. The only thing that I will say, the only thing that I will say, is I did not realize that you were that into sea lions. Oh, <laughs> well, thanks. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, we had a nice big. Well, day. we've got the mailbag
0: before we get there because okay. it's a question you're going to hate, and <laughs> so I'll probably wind up answering it. Have you followed the Vandy Sports 100 at all?
1: I, I on, only the countdown. I haven't read, uh, gone into reading the details or anything. Just follow the countdown. In fact, I think I saw uh was it yesterday that I see was it Will Holden. Will Holden
0: was yesterday, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Of course, you don't know who's ahead of him on the list, but anybody jump out as, man, I would have had this guy way higher or way lower in what I've done recently.
1: No, Chris, here's what I'll say uh, about this list. Uh, However you construct this list ends up being constructed, from 100 down to one I'm not going to have beef with it not really and you may tell you why because I know now whether I agree with them along the way what I do know for sure 100 percent is you are not throwing darts at a dartboard uh this is all going to be thoroughly researched statistics are going to back it up and you'll have done your due diligence so you know whether I agree with these as they go down uh, you're not going to get a lot of friction from me because I know it came from uh, a well-conceived and, and 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 well-researched person, so uh, I got no beef with that. So, I, I mean, I've seen the name so far, and nothing's really so – I can't say, oh, my God, what is he doing on Not so far. I appreciate the work that you do and the work that you put into it. Well, it's been fun,
0: and if people don't subscribe to the website, you can go to vandysports.com at the front page, and I'm doing all these profiles for free. I figured it gives everybody something to talk about. And it's it's not a good time economically for people. So that's kind of one thing I'm doing to hopefully make the sports landscape a little bit more interesting in in terms of my sphere of influence. I will tell you this. I've done that list three or four times at different times and for no reason. I mean, because these guys' careers are mostly over. Nothing's changed. They certainly hadn't played any ball in the time that I started putting this together until I'm releasing them. Sometimes I will I will make a list and then try not to look at it and, and then do it again, and I'll have a guy a dozen spots higher on one list than the other for no good reason, so I can't even make up my mind. The one that I think I'm going to have the most regret about, well, there's two. I think I should have had Ryan Mullins higher. I had him at 67. I figured that might be a tough sell to the fan base, but sort of being stupid because really who cares about what people think? If you think a guy's better and you've got evidence for it, rank him higher. I think I should have put Mullins higher on my list. The other one I keep thinking about, a lot of people gave me pushback on Adam Butler. I had him at 99, and maybe that's fair, but he just didn't have a big body of work at Vanderbilt. Again, not necessarily his fault. But the other one is Spencer Pulley. I think I had him in the 90s. I want to say 93, maybe even a couple of spots lower than that. And I think given what he's done in the league, which speaks to the talent level, and I think given that when I went back and looked at his grades on pro football focus, which I did not have at the time when he played, he graded out really well at Vanderbilt. That's one that maybe I should have ranked a few spots higher. I don't know, like – 10 spots but maybe four or five but i think those are the two that like as i'm doing this i'm thinking man i i think i got something wrong those are the two that are sort of popping up the most
1: well if 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 you're running into that right now i can't wait to see what because the pressure there's no pressure here right now the pressure is going to be when you start getting down to like 25 you know, and, and you have to start working things down. And then that's, that's, I think that's really when this whole list is going to be under the microscope. It's kind of like, here's where you are right now. You're playing beat the streak and you're at 10. There, there's very little pressure there, you know, but what happens when you start getting to 35 and you see, uh, you can see the end of the light and the huge prize and you start questioning every single pick and putting it under a microscope and going through with a fine tooth comb. That's when I'm going to be interested when you really get into it, when you have to, decide who that final 20. And by the way, have you already done that? Are you done? You're done. You've already got it. You're just releasing it, right?
0: Well, you have to make a list, right? Because you're doing a countdown mm-hmm. and I'm doing the re I'm doing the pieces for these players right before I release them. So sometimes the danger in that is I will stumble onto some facts, some little things that I hadn't really thought about. When I'm putting the list together right, I don't have forever to do this. At some point, you got to say, well, I've made a reasonable effort. So what I will do is I've got this list, and occasionally as I'm writing the bios, I have switched and I've said, man, this guy is – I've got him at 74 or whatever. And I'll look at his things and say, man, he was, he was a little better than I knew, and I think he's better than the three guys in front of him. At that point, I'll make yeah. some small adjustments as I'm writing and, and digging into players a little bit more. I will tell you this, the, the top 30 or so, I don't think anybody's really going to argue with much. It'll just be the order. The top 20 or 25 or 30 were really easier to rank than the bottom 30. And, and not by I a little not, bit. Oh, i say that one more time. Well, it's easier. Sorting through my top 30 has been easier to do than sorting through guys, say, 70 to, to 100. I might have a guy at 94 that say, well, I could could make a case he's 71 if I really wanted to. That might be a little bit much, but I don't have a guy at at 18 that I'm saying, well, he should be three.
1: Uh, What I should say is the scrutiny will start, I think, the closer you get.
0: Yeah, and I'm not saying it's not tough, but I've got the top five or six, I think, as you research it, are pretty easy. Maybe if you want to go top eight.
1: I don't, I'm not going to ask you to tell me any names. Just, just, I'm just going to throw one name out there and blink once. If he's in the top 30 and blink twice, if he's not okay, Darius (laughs) Kulabale. All right. There's your answer. (laughs) All right. Now you wanted to bring one more thing up before we hit the mailbag, right? No, I wanted to bring up the
0: mailbag. Oh, okay. I thought you wanted to bring up that other No, thing. I brought up that other thing. We just talked about it. So, today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt Fan and independent insurance agent Josh Minton at Brentwood. If you need home, auto, motorcycle renters, landlord, life, or commercial insurance, Josh is the man to contact. Call him at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at com. Follow him on Facebook at J.D. Minton HQ. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try, and I think you will be pleased. Vandy Fitz says, how do you like the new NCAA rules allowing players to sell their likeness affecting college athletics in general? And Vandy in particular, I think he said, how do you see that affecting? I may have misread the question. He said, given that powerhouse schools were already playing players under the table via boosters, will they just lift the veils without really changing much?
1: How would how I'm not sure how it would lift the veil because I mean like, we already know that's going on. I mean I'll be i
2: am I'm I'm be frank with you.
1: I don't believe the powerhouse schools. I, I you know maybe there's a chance I'm wrong. I really doubt it. So I mean I, I don't think it, it I think we all already know that. How does this affect Vanderbilt? You tell me. I mean, how does it affect Vanderbilt? Look, I've never liked this subject. I told Chris this before the start of the show, full disclosure. I don't like this subject. I never have. When we first started doing Sports Talk Radio, this conversation came up, uh, usually because my co-host brought it up. And it is about the most mind-numbing conversation that I think I can have uh, from the sports side of things. Uh, Because I've always felt like, man, once you open it up, you know that th- there's no way to get it back and then it's going to change the landscape of this and that uh as far as being able to play for their likeness pay them for their likeness how's that work am i paying a left guard you know money am i paying him left guard money you know am i paying him because his likeness is on there and uh the, we're a, it's a crappy team that hardly ever gets used how much is that worth and and what does that mean so like uh if we're paying for the likenesses uh, does that is that is that a feather in the cap of the big schools already chris who already had a massive advantage over the likes of people like us anyway because i would imagine so you know i just i don't know how this would help if the question is how does this vander help vanderbilt out i can't see how it helps them out at all but i'm short-sighted and and narrow-minded about this subject so chris is probably much the better person to ask this because I am not for paying them, so well, they're going
0: to get paid anyway, as everybody knows. I think the whole trying to put restrictions around it is stupid. It's not like we're selling cracked kids if If somebody wants to pay a kid a hundred thousand dollars to advertise a car. Who cares? I mean, you wouldn't care if it was your next door neighbor. Why do we care that these are college athletes? You know they're getting paid through the booster networks anyway. So people need to start getting or stop getting bent out of shape about that, and and really not worry about how we're going to just let the market pay people. And if some idiot somewhere wants to pay a guy. more than he's worth, so be it. It's America. It's a free country. Now, if I'm Vanderbilt, this is where I think this is relevant. And and the NCAA is doing everything it can to draw a fence around this because I'm sure what it's thinking probably is we don't want this cannibalizing from athletic donations and donations to the school. But here's what I'm doing, okay? If I'm a Vanderbilt booster, I am looking at the situation. I'm going – For instance, somebody told me, he's like, they've been talking about the locker project over at Vanderbilt for 10 years now. They still don't have the locker project off the ground, even after reducing the cost to under $5 million. They can't get simple things done like that because of Kirkland Hall and and everything else and just bad hires and having people running athletics who don't need to run athletics. I mean, we've done this podcast before, so I'm not going to go on and on, but this is what I'm thinking. If I am a booster at Vanderbilt, And I'm frustrated by the system. I'm getting together. I'm getting a network. I'm going, how in the world do we get together and build a system where we make sure our kids get athletic endorsements? And I think that's where you catch up because a school certainly isn't going to do it by building facilities and doing nice things for athletics. To me, that is where you have a window to gain advantage. And being in Nashville, which is a place where – you were crazily marketable because of all the demographics and everything. I'm doing everything I can, if I am a Vanderbilt booster, and no others, to make sure we do something. If it's if it's going to a car dealership and paying a guy fifty grand for a car that's worth half that, and saying, hey, you you do with it what you want. By the way, we got this running back over here who's an all American. You might want to use him for your advertising campaign. You know, put him on a billboard. Pay him for it. I'm doing something like that. I think it's a window if you play your cards right.
1: Now, the problem is you wouldn't even be the most marketed players in your own city.
0: I don't care. Forget about the marketing stuff. It's a way to get cash to players. It is a way to level the playing field where you're not cheating. If you have boosters involved, I guess it's cheating, but the NCAA has got Will Wade on a wiretap. And nothing has happened to LSU. So I, I don't feel too bad about that if I'm a booster.
1: What, what is your main goal here? To get those players paid? I, yes, I'm not, I'm not absolutely.
0: If you're not going to win because your school won't commit to facilities and stuff like that, get your best players there by however you can. Tim Corbin gets players to campus because they think long-term they're going to be better off. Because they're going to be drafted gonna higher. They're going to have an education. It's just trading one commodity for another. It's
1: like, come to Vanderbilt, and we'll make your situation better. Yeah. And you think that your boosters are going to win these bidding wars against Alabamas and Tennessees of the world who clearly, that's their life. They'll, they'll risk going to prison. Get stuff done. Uh you're not gonna outbid them. No, I mean, but it doesn't it. make the, the situation any those worse. Players, those schools are want. paying it's players anyway.
0: Look, if if you've got the the A D has walled off donors to give to athletics anyway, now no now nobody can tell you what you can and can't do. Now
1: we've got these legal bidding wars. You know, and it no longer becomes about what type of school Vanderbilt is and how it can help you for the future. Is it what boosters have the most money? Of course it is.
0: Hang on a minute. If everything becomes a commodity and you get $100,000 for going to Alabama, you get $100,000 for going to Vanderbilt, which degree is better? You start stacking stuff on paper, you get to live in Nashville. It is not going to make your situation any worse.
1: And then you start what? do uh, You start taking players that normally we ought not take, that well, we read about, not for the right reasons? If you can get them in boosters, the school, then yes. Going
0: to outbid somebody. Who cares? We're not selling crack to six-year-olds. Why does this bother people? If a guy why, is why worth it and people, people are willing to pay, why do we want to get in the way of a market for that kind of thing if it's not hurting anyone?
1: not hurting anyone. Well, not that we're perfect, but generally for the most part, now we've had a couple of incidences that would speak against that, but it's the exception not the rule uh, is that generally for the most part, we get people who are thoroughly interested in academics and what life is like after college and after football. But if it's all about who can deliver the biggest Christmas present, we, you know, then, then I think we start bringing in people that probably don't need to be on that campus.
0: So Alabama and George is not going to pay that kind of player if he's an elite prospect anyway. Who's saying that? You just said a kid that wants education, and, and you made that whole argument about that. I'm saying if the kid's that good of a football player, then he's not going to be less likely to come to Vanderbilt.
2: This is what I don't like about this conversation.
1: Not, this, not me and you, but this whole subject period. I'm, a, I'm about the, the game. I'm about the sport. I'm about the football. This other stuff, getting those kids paid is of no interest to me whatsoever.
0: At all. There was a certain it school that played in the college football playoffs this year that had kids staying down on Bourbon Street recruits for money that you and I would never pay for a hotel room. The stuff is going to happen anyway. It is not going to stop those schools. Why is everybody against the guy that wants to try to do it honestly now having a window into the game? What is so bad about money going to the kids instead of Uncle Joey, who's steering a kid to this school or that school, and the kid doesn't even know what's going on. I think we are so used
2: to the status quo that it clouds everybody's thinking. Maybe that's just me. Because that I have a problem,
1: uh, have problem, with the kids getting paid. Uh, it, it, it's not so much that I got a problem with kids getting paid. I just I don't know. I, I know that once and and you say, well, they do it under the table. Well, yes. I, 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 there's nobody that doesn't know that. Everyone already knew that. Uh, but now it just becomes this free-for-all thing. And basically what we're saying is, well, you know, we couldn't stop it, so just go ahead. Here we go.
0: How is this hurting Vanderbilt in the recruiting battle with another SEC school? Is is there a kid that suddenly my, is, is. is going to be taking cash? If that's what he really wants, it wasn't going to take it anyway and go somewhere else?
1: I think I think that the type of player that you're talking about, the caliber of your player that you're talking about – if those schools want them, you're not outbidding them. Why is
0: it such a good thing if it doesn't change anything? It doesn't change anything for the worse. Here's the other thing I have always maintained. I think the NCAA should be a lot more interested in stuff that happened like at Michigan State with the Olympic gymnast doctor and all the stuff that happened. Focus your attention on like crime and stuff like that. And not on Lance Goldburn getting a parking pass. It was $10 above what he should have gotten.
2: I don't disagree with that.
1: I feel bad for saying this, and I shouldn't. I shouldn't feel bad about this at all. But that's why this subject, it, 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 I feel about the subject the way that I do. I don't care about those things. I don't care about parking tickets for players. I care about the players and how they play at my school. That's it. The other stuff, it's not fluff to me. It, it, it's, it's just not my concern.
2: Why should it be? Why would it be? Well, it determines the market for players. It determines who gets who. It determines who gets Well, like, like I said,
1: again, those, play, those, big, those big dogs, if they want them, you're not outbidding them. So as you said, nothing's going to change for our program for the better. You just got through saying it. So why would this matter to me?
0: It gives you a window into the game. If you want to do it legally now, it does not make it
1: any worse. Maybe not, but I'm I'm always looking for how is it going to make my team better? And I just don't know how it does. Well,
0: I know you hate the topic. I won't bore you any longer with it. I've got kids invading my office constantly now. I think they're getting restless. So let's end the podcast. I'll let people tell or let you tell the folks where they can listen to your show and find you online.
1: You can find me online on Twitter at Cheap Seats Bass, and you can find me on the radio dial Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Cheap Seats, 101.5 FM in Jackson, Tennessee.
0: Hey, thanks for joining me today. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, he's Seabass and Chris Lee. Thanks for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast.